and dessert. I, I don't know about you, but there's nothing better than jazz and dessert for me. We're having a series on being disconnected in a disconnected world. I grew up in a disconnected world. Digital technology is not the only thing that can disconnect us. When I grew up, a computer filled an entire room. So let me tell you, it's changed tremendously when you can wear it on your wrist. Many things can create a disconnected world. In the family that I grew up in, some of the things that created that disconnection, alcohol, drug addiction, affairs, mental illness, and lots of secrets. And what did that do to me growing up in that world? Well, it created a pretty big void. And with that void, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was going. And I felt unseen and unknown by the people that I lived with. I was lonely and terrified of the world. I had to discover answers to questions on my own. Google then. I observed numerous attempts by my parents to fill that void in their lives with trips to Las Vegas and affairs and substance abuse. I was afraid to live life and terrified to have relationships. I saw that participating in life was something to be avoided at all costs. So I started working at 13 so I could leave home as soon as possible. And I read books constantly try to figure out answers to life. The chaos and the pain became so overwhelming that by the time I was a junior in high school, I left home and ran away from home. After the end of the week, I had no place to go. I went back to school, and someone invited me to attend a Young Lives Bible study. And at that Bible study, I heard a word, Jesus Christ. And I had never heard that word before except when my stepfather reminded me. And they said to me, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That man wanted me. He wanted me to be part of his family. And he wasn't going to leave me. He cared. I was special. I asked Christ into my life, and a transformation began. My life was changed. I was terrified, even at that point, that the yoke of slavery that had enslaved my parents would be my legacy, would be my heritage, that it would become my yoke of slavery. It didn't. One of the verses that meant so much to me, Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to that yoke of slavery. I want you to think about this verse. As I talk today, because a yoke of slavery means someone else is in control of you. You aren't making the choices. You aren't deciding what you do, where you go, and how you do it. Someone else is making a powerful decision for you. Keep that in mind as we talk through today. We're living in a culture of distraction and disconnection. So what is adding to this epidemic now? of disconnection. Watch this video. When you were a kid, what did you do for fun? So we'd go blueberry picking, for instance. 
sign, which was big enough for me to sit on a bit of great toboggan. It was very slick, very fast. I had a few fish in my basket, and I looked up on this bluff, and here's this black bear sitting there watching me. If he starts chasing me, I'm going to keep throwing the fish out of my basket until he's gorged and he won't, and he won't bother me. And what did you like to do? You know, you go door to door, you get a group of kids, and you play uh, lots of games, uh, hide and seek, just going out to the field and playing baseball. And we built this massive fort. You know, the condo you can actually sit in and, and, and play in, you know, with, with our friends, and it was just really wonderful. So what do you like to do for fun? Video games. Definitely. I like to go on my phone, tap some email. My favorite thing to do in the world is definitely watching videos and playing video games. Those take up so much of my time. Three hours, or t three to four hours a day. Same. Five hours straight. Just last week, I watched 23 episodes of a TV series in less than four days. I forget. I've been in a house, I have parents, I have a sister, I have a dog, I just think I'm in the video game, I completely get lost. I would die if I don't have my tablet. Whenever I feel upset, I play video games and I feel normal. It's really wonderful. When your daughters grow up, your great-great-grandkids, what do you think will happen if this trend continues? It's scary to think that they'll never have to leave the house. Sydney grew up uh, doing a lot of the things that I did and, and enjoyed, and I see what uh, my grandsons are doing today, and it's uh, mind-boggling. By the time they have kids, it's going to be a really different environment. I actually feel a little sad because I feel like he's missing out on what's out there in the beautiful world. digital and sex addictions for almost 30 years, and this is what I see on a daily basis. A freshman in college, in high school, straight A's, involved in sports and friends, goes away to school, we've been waiting so long for this. Through three hours of video gaming, moved to five hours, moved to eight hours, moved to 10, moved to 20 hours a day, cutting classes, not sleeping, faking it to his parents, making them think he's still in school. Flunked out. And I saw him, and he looked like he was high on drugs. No, he was. Digital technology. This young man has finished college, has a wonderful career, and it's Thirty-two year old Noreen Vent suffering from CPTSD, downloading porn files 24 7, not aware that child porn is embedded in those files. FBI came, tracked it, served five years in federal prison. Now it wasn't just sex offender. A mom concerned about her son who's accessing porn at 14. Shamed him by never doing so. Doesn't realize that she's on Facebook six to seven hours a day. Seven-year-old boy, learning disability. Mom says, the only way I can get him to go to school is promising that he can play video games when he gets home. And he's on video games, 45 hours, every day when he gets home from school. Now he's got ADD. Not 
born with it, but created through digital technology, isolated and racist. 16-year-old girl, cyberbullied about her weight, cutting on her arms to feel the pain that she's feeling inside, wants to die, unable to go to school. Studies at home, online Just a tiny overview of the problems of the behavior that's occurring in our society today. There's a wonderful organization that's called Common Sense, and you can go online, sign up, they'll send you a newsletter. If you are a parent or a grandparent, I encourage you to do this. They study teenagers, young people, and digital device information constantly. They'll let you know what the apps are, what are good, what the good movies are what apps are dangerous, excellent. They did a study of 2,600 young people, and they wanted to know about their screen-based activities. Average, daily, nine hours. Does that mean they're on nine hours in a row? No, it doesn't. It means they're multitasking. They're listening to music, they're doing homework online, and they're doing social networking. So they take all that time, and that adds up to nine hours. And that's separate from the time they're spending at school online or homework. The highest usage, entertainment media, TV shows, music, video games, and social media. One of the things that we were told was that digital technology would really help people become more creative. But the reality is only 3% of the content that young people are involved in is creative. The rest other studies have shown that the average age of first-time exposure to online pornography is 11 years old. The biggest money maker online are the pornographers. And they have a rule, they have a belief that if they can have your kid by 11, they've got them for life. The largest consumer of internet pornography are ages 12 to 17 year olds. 62% of teens out on my computer. You bet. They're using virtual reality headsets in Cedar sinai Hospital for children that are going into surgery. There's a little game with a teddy bear throwing ball. And what it, they've seen is that it lessens that pre-surgery anxiety by 81%, which is the equivalent to 10 milligrams of Valium. So, just an aside, you know when you're at the restaurant and you see the family there, and the kids are acting out, and mom says, here, take my phone, and, you know, plays the phone, and all of a sudden they're calm and quiet. Remember, 10 milligrams of value is restricted through a video game. Video games. Um, in hospitals in Washington, D.C., virtual reality um, in the burn ward, the most painful, excruciating process is scrubbing off the burns. And they're using the virtual reality, and they're seeing that as these individuals are focusing on what they're doing, the pain tolerance is increased by 62%. What are some of the other positives? So video games used in moderation, about 30 minutes, increases hand and eye coordination. 
can reduce anxiety and depression, enhance memory skills in moderation. It's a great training tool. Surgeons use it. Pilots use it. It helps coping with PTSD, and it helps with, obviously, as we said, pain management. But there's an issue here. Pardon me. We've got two conflicting truths going on. Digital technology is beneficial, it's helpful, it's good, and it's positive. Digital technology is not beneficial, it is not healthy, and it is not okay. Now, both of these are true. We aren't geared to live very well in the tension between two conflicting truths. Plus, that's where we live. We live in the tension between these two conflicting truths. And what we need to remember is that when you live in that tension between two conflicting truths, it creates a lot of confusion. A lot of confusion. One of the things that we need to be aware of is that technology is about persuasive It is about persuading you and taking your attention. It's video game developers know several things about how to make a successful video game. It's got to have intermittent rewards. That's like a slot machine. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. Slot machines make more money than movies and amusement parks and all forms of entertainment put together. And they are doing it with quarters, dimes, and, and nickels. That's because of the intermittent rewards. Because what happens when there's intermittent rewards is you get a dopamine hit over and over again. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. There's a compulsion loop. Tasks that are repeatedly required to reach the next level of play that involves a challenge. Total immersion, the cost is spent. There's music, the lights, the, the images. If I were to play the music right now in Candy Crush, some of you would want to pull out your phone and start playing. That's what makes a successful video game. Anonymity. You can be anyone you want to be. And it creates an illusion of community. Remember, the goal of the designer is not to enhance communication or relationships. It's about making money. So what happens neurobiologically? Video games activate the reward center in the brain. The dopamine receptors are activated, and that feel-good feeling comes. By the way, dopamine is the most addictive chemical our body makes. They're not addicted to the video game or porn that has the same results or going online and searching for the best blouse. They're addicted to the search and the dopamine that comes as a result of the search. They're addicted to dopamine. That's really important to remember. So then, as that arousal from the gaming process increases, the areas of the prefrontal cortex shut down. That's the part of our brain that makes the decisions, that thinks through consequences, that controls impulse control. So if that shuts down, then what's controlling us? Well, it's the other part of the brain, the amygdala, where the fight-flight feeling is that wants to stay in the fight, that wants to win. The cortisol rates increase. That's the anxiety drug within our hormones, within our body. Then there's an overproduction of this dopamine. It gets tired. The, re 
acceptance is tiny and producing so much and experiencing so much much hurt. And that's when it's a production. But then the wanting and the memory wants more. And an arousal pattern created. This goes on and on and on, which is why more and more games are necessary. Now, I've got to tell you, I am not that concerned about video games because only 10% of people that are video gamers are addicted. I'm concerned about the less This is a community that is making decisions for you. This is a different form of the guilt of slavery. What they do, first of all, it's about time and attention. The more time you give it, and the more attention you give it, the more money they make. They have thousands of technological engineers monitoring who hits what, how many hits you get and where you go. And they know that if you continue down this path, they've got you. Because it's about time and attention. There are three companies that are focusing on this. Apple, Facebook, Google. Millions of dollars. You don't pay to go on Facebook. That's not how they make their money. They make their money through the advertising. It's a problem. Think of it as a community, as a city, and the commodity is attention and time. And you have the money, the commodity, attention and time. Autoplay on YouTube, they've just changed that over the last number of years because they want you to be in it more. So now, after you finish watching something, there's an autoplay. There's a calculated intrusion into your life get your attention and to stay long enough. your attention is the time it takes time. The metric may be the time on the site and the design on the display. I don't know about you guys. When I was a teenager, I didn't want any of the things that I wanted. Be aware. novelty of surfing gives you this feel-good feeling. FOMO, that's the fear of missing out. Keep going back. You don't want to miss out on anything. Um, the novelty triggers that feel-good. Cell phones, <laughs> a developer shared with me, he said, Apple doesn't make money from their iPhone. Could have fooled me. I paid 600 bucks. Apple makes money on their apps. They make money on their checking your device. There's, um, oh, average adults, these aren't just kids, average adults check their phone 150 to 200 times a day. A day. Every six minutes. There is this interesting phenomenon that's happening. 75% of people are experiencing phantom vibrations and ringing from their phones. 75%. Wow. There's a continuous partial attention that's going on. What about pornography? What is it doing? It's 
the majority, actually every one of the men I've ever worked with that's addicted to porn, says to me, it's not about sex. It's about the next best image. Well, what is the next best image about? A dopamine hit. It's about that reward. And they're addicted to the dopamine hit. So what, how does it affect a person living in secret and a shame cycle, a distorted view of sexuality, objectifying women and themselves and dehumanizing themselves? How can digital technology negatively impact our relationships with others? One of the things, one of the greatest needs we have when we're born is for attachment. And one of the things that I've seen often is a young mother feeding her baby, an infant or baby, and she's looking at a porn. Now, it's not by accident that God has made it so that our eyes connect with the eyes of that infant. That's when attachment is made. That's when that connection is made, not when we're looking at our phones. We expect more from technology and less from each other. It interferes with empathic connection. That's when I can go inside of my life find out how I, my own experiences, so that I can sit with you in your pain and give you comfort just by being there and seeing that between significantly. An increase in projected meaning and emotion on the written word. How many have gotten a text and they've projected their feelings on it? Oh, goodness, they didn't mean that at all. We've projected our feelings on it. What about sex? Remember, we're being manipulated by an attention commodity, an attention economy. It's about your time and your attention. Continuous interruption. Take 23 minutes to refocus after an interruption, and we are training our brain to interrupt ourselves every three and a half minutes. When I read a book um, online, now I'm able to go, oh, I don't know what that means. I'm going to check into Google or Wikipedia and see what it means. Not really true information, contentious information, but I can learn to interrupt myself every three to five minutes. Constant distraction from God's creation and from what is made for us. How does it affect us as a nation? Well, digital technology can become intimidating at times. It sedates striving to do more, look better, have this, but not satisfied. Lots of noise inside. Can't hear good, small voice of God. It gives the illusion of relationship, but little depth. And it distracts from God's creation. So how can I be a thoughtful and present user of digital technology? One of the most important questions you can ask yourself is my time Slavery, time and attention, or you making your own choices. Marketers making your choices, or you making your choices. So be aware and discerning. Bring the Lord into your discussion. Talk to your kids. Talk to your kids. How much time? When? Where? What are you accessing? If any of you have compulsive digital technology behaviors, get some help. Talk to someone. Share the secrets. Get to a 12-step group. See a therapist. Be a role model. Kids often feel that they have to compete with their parents 
digital technologies for parents. Don't use it as a babysitter. Don't give your kids candy programs or valiums. Be intentional. Delay the device dependency as long as you can. Use blockers and trackers on all devices. Know each other's passwords. That's going to free your kid a bit of disease. Have total access to all devices. Keep distractions to a minimum. Educate. So, again, time well spent. Are the goals of the persuader that I'm holding in my hand in line with the goals of the persuader? Do those goals match my goals? What are your values? Technology is not neutral, and it certainly doesn't match your values. And do you want to be a manipulator? Or do you want to control letting the manipulator of digital devices make it for you. Lastly, in your bulletin, you will see this little card. And there are different workshop times, discussion times, that we will be having. Check one for each Sunday if you would like, that would work best for you. We will have a, be having more discussion as to what you can do and what you need to know. Also, there are a number of excellent books on a table out in the patio. There's also a printed list of the books. You can borrow those books, take them home, read them, bring them back. Someone else can use them. And on this list are some wonderful TED Talks, YouTube um, presentations, and websites that are wonderful that will help you through your own journey. Remember, the most important thing, the question, time well spent, are you in charge of your life, or is the yoke of slavery of someone else that wants to manipulate your time?